This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm your host this week, Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Nathan Baird. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold Podcast. All right, welcome to the Behold Podcast. Uh, welcome back. If you listened last week, welcome for the first time. If you're a uh, first time listener, um, before we jump into it, let's just introduce ourselves so people know who is talking. This is Sean Helch, and I serve with music and worship at VBC. My name is Dan Gillette, and I do music and worship as well. I'm Nathan Baird, and I am part of discipleship development and small groups. And that's not it. If you didn't know, Nathan Baird is also part of a little something called Homespun Royale. And I've personally been really encouraged by that this week. So, Nate, tell us a little bit about Homespun Royale. Yeah, we were so just inspired by how many bands and uh, just well-known musicians have been just playing from their homes. And so we thought, you know, we can do a personal touch on that. Um, So we started with our kids and and Rita and I just uh, picking songs to record and throw them up, rough cuts. And it's been so much fun. I'm just the kids just getting involved, playing instruments. And um, in fact, uh, they kind of went from like reticent, like, oh, man, this is terrible to like, oh, what's what's our next one? What's our next one? So, yeah, it's been kind of fun just to to do that. And we'll keep doing it. It's really fun how you can see all their little unique personalities, you know, coming through and and uh, what I'm sure I would love to be a fly on the wall in the Baird house sometime, right? That would be that'd be that'd be fun. It's a zoo. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard from a lot of people during this uh, coronavirus pandemic about how they're at wit's end with their two or three kids at home. So just Try it on for size. A little bit of perspective. Eight, they got eight kids at home, so things could be worse uh, hey, or by better. Then, by Man. then, they start parenting themselves, right? Is that how that works, Nate? Yeah, that's part of it. And and you know, also there's ne- there's nothing really dull. You know, it's always there's always something happening somewhere. Someone's doing something. And uh, if you want to talk to someone else, you don't, you want to stop talking to the person you're talking to. There's, you've got <laughs> lots of options. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love it. All right, guys. So on on Sunday, Charlie Ming launched us in our new teaching series, which is called Easter Myth versus Reality. Um, We really want to encourage you, if you weren't tuned in with us on Sunday, to go and watch that service now before listening to this podcast. Uh, We think you'll be in a a better equipped position to to listen. Um, But just for those who didn't hear it, Dan, maybe give us a quick recap on Luke 22, which is what we talked about on Sunday. Yeah, so a lot of amazing things are happening in Luke 22, and it goes through some really key events just leading up to Jesus's uh, death and uh, resurrection. And so, what's covered is uh, is Judas's betrayal of Jesus, um, the 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 Last Supper, where Jesus sits with his disciples and has his last meal before going to the cross, and. And that's where the Lord's Supper is uh, instituted, and we see that it's that it's done in remembrance of Him. Also, we get to read about the um, the capture of Jesus, and also Peter's denial in this section. And so, yeah, there, it's a it's really building up to um, to the events that are gonna that are gonna lead to Jesus's death. So, very significant chapter, a lot going on. 
Oh, thank you, Dan. So, so Dan, you and I were in the room listening, and Nate, you were at home with your family watching the stream. So, just as you guys were listening to Charlie teach from Luke twenty-two, what are some things that kind of hit home or stuck out with you? Yeah, I I was uh, just once again encouraged by the introduction from Luke one, just that Luke's intent in uh, communicating this letter to Theophilus was so that he would have certainty. And I, I love that idea of certainty because, um, you know, we live in uncertain times, um, but also sometimes we, uh, when things are, you know, not so tricky and challenging, uh, we actually don't like certainty. We don't like people who are certain. Um, and so um, here, here in, the, in the Word of God, we're told that we can have absolute certainty about something, and that mm-hmm. is this stuff about Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Nathan. Um, Dan, what about you? What are some things that kind of hit home with you? Man, so much. I mean, in that chapter, there you you could stop every couple verses and just just meditate on it. And you know, one of the, one of the things I've been chewing on a lot since Sunday is just Jesus's faithfulness in the events leading up to the cross, and. You know, in the garden when he is, um, you know, he's he's facing the reality of what he's about to endure. And you see this just intimate moment of prayer with between him and the Father. And it's, uh, it's, it's intense. And it is, you really see the heart of Christ there. And while he asks for the cup to be passed... Um, you know, he ends with this really humble and faithful prayer of not my will, but your will be done. And really from, you know, all throughout the account of his betrayal, um, his arrest, um, the the torture and, and, and the crucifixion all the way up until the point of his death, you see these, these mile markers of him just continually entrusting himself to the Father. And it just made me think of First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 23. And Peter's talking about, hey, Jesus suffered, um, and if you belong to Jesus, you should expect to suffer too. And one of the things that Jesus modeled for us is his trust in the Father and his obedience to the Father and and his faithfulness to the Father. Um, and even though Jesus was enduring all of um, the judgment of the Father and he was taking on the weight of sin and, and feeling that um, in ways that we can never even fully wrap our brains around. Um, he continued to entrust himself to the Father, and that that just blew me away. And I was wondering if you know what you guys thought about that. And and you know, clearly, it's meant to be a model for us. Now, now, hopefully, none of us will have to endure the pain. Um, you know, physically that Christ endured. Certainly none of us will endure the the spiritual weight and pain that Jesus endured. But as we do suffer, um, you know, how can we learn from Jesus's faithfulness? What do you guys think? Hmm. Well, I, I, as you're, as you're just sharing that, Dan, I was, <laughs> I was thinking how glad I am that that line is included. You know, if, if possible, if this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And that could have been left out. You know, there's so many times in this chapter where Jesus shows that he is aware of what's going to happen, that he's, 
he, he's aware of who he is. He calls himself the son of man. He's quoting from Daniel 7. And, you know, the, the son of man who comes in the clouds. And it, here he, he stops. And so, yeah, I, I mean, uh, if, if, that, if that was not there, um, how, I wouldn't have any confidence that, that Jesus uh, was really experiencing my kind of life. And therefore, I couldn't have any hope that I could, I could live his life. Hmm. Um, but that's but that's what we're called to, like you were saying, that we're called to model. You know, like Peter wrote, we were we're, we're to model in the midst of suffering what he did. And uh, yeah, how how kind that, that was my my thoughts. Not really answered your question though. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I mean, it, it does kind of answer the question for me at least in the sense that you know Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he himself hasn't done, and to the nth degree. Right, and so that is a way that his his him being faithful and obedient to the Father, all the way to the point of death, mm. is 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 an, of, of an encouragement to us, and it's mm. it helps us endure when we're going through suffering. Yeah, and something about that that I love that it kind of highlights for me is God's faithfulness, um, just in His Word, His His provision for us, and His faithfulness in in Scripture. Um, because thinking about that, man, it's, it's oftentimes, you know, we tend to be kind of blindsided by hardships, you know, something bad happens, whether it be, um, serious things like illness or job loss or, um, family deaths or what, whatnot. Uh, sometimes it's little things like stubbing my toe or a flat tire that ruins your day, whatever it is. And we're so caught off guard by that. Um, but I love that chunk of first Peter because right before that, you know, it says, um, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. And I love that it's not phrased as, oh, you, you might experience this someday. It's not phrased as, oh, maybe in your life you might suffer, and then you can utilize these tools and follow the example of Jesus. No, it's phrased with certainty. You will suffer. Things are going to happen to you. And when they do, here's how you respond, by continuing to entrust yourself to God. And so often we just don't have that foresight or we get so hyper-focused on what's going on right now or whatever it is. Um, so it's, a, it's a, just a healthy reminder to me as I'm listening to you say that, Dan, um, of just in the way that we spend time with God through um, prayer and through diving into his word, just preparing our hearts and um, just kind of building that preparedness for when those things do come. So we're not so caught off guard um, and can more easily having spent some time reminding ourselves of his promises, reminding ourselves of his character and his faithfulness uh, to be able to entrust ourselves to him, knowing that he judges justly. Mm -hmm. That's great. This is maybe a little a little bird walk, um, but I was just thinking about uh, the, kind of the 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 focus of our series in Easter is the hist historicity, the historical details of the crucifixion and resurrection. And as we're looking through Luke twenty two, um, aside from the historical realities, there are just some really human things going on that just that are just so. Um, what we experience today, we under, we get it. You know, it's not. It doesn't seem like this is a, a someone written by space aliens. This is this is by humans about real human things. So like, like Peter, um, you know how he how he experiences the uh, 
his own his own denial of Christ and the, re, the, the experience of that grief, or even Judas, who you know for whatever his motivation, whether it was greed or some other thing that was going on, um, you know that that kind of betrayal we exp- you know we experience that kind of stuff in our lives too. People betray us. People don't come through. Yeah. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think about when we're talking about the historicity? Yeah. Just the fact that it's I'll, a real document. This is a real human stuff. Yeah. I mean that 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 was on my list for something to drill down into. Just the juxtaposition between between Peter's failure and Judas's failure, and we see in the chapter that. Um, you know, Jesus is not blindsided by either of those things. You know, he even mm-hmm. he even says things to them, you know, foreshadowing what <laughs> they're going to do, and and um, but still, we you know they they they, they it, it's it's part of God's plan. You know, it's it's all part of the the story that is unfolding. And man, I I think there's a lesson in there, you know, very human lesson as you put it for us, Nate is. You know how do we handle our failures, right? How do we? How do we? How how does Judas handle his um, his failure versus Peter's? How does he handle his failure? And it made me think of just a simple verse in in Second Corinthians um, chapter seven, verse ten. It says, "Godly grief or godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret." Doesn't that sound good? Right. Mm. Um, whereas worldly grief simply and profoundly produces death. And man, I think what we see with with those two biblical historical figures is it, that verse being played out. Right. Because Peter, it says, um, and Charlie did a great job of of, of breaking this down. It, it says in verse sixty two that after he realized what he had done. You know the rooster crows three times, and he goes away. And what does it what does it say? He he wept, but not just wept, but he wept what bitterly, bitterly. bitterly. And there was a a deep um, a deep godly sorrow that that caused him to turn around. And and then if you if you know anything about Peter's story from that point on, um, he becomes you know um, this amazing pillar in 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 Christianity, and God uses him in in some mighty ways. Um, whereas Judas, when he realizes, um, you know, that he gets this grief over what he's done, um, he he turns around and he he ends his life. And th- you can read about that in Matthew twenty-seven. And and it's um, both both are experiencing grief and and sorrow, but they're just two complete different outcomes. Mm. Yeah, I love. Um... You know, you see this a lot, like in the Psalms, for example, sorrow is not depicted in scripture as a bad thing. You know, it's it's a reality of life as humans on earth. Um, but kind of like you were just saying, Dan, like that godly sorrow, it's usually, and scripture you see this over and over again, like hiding yourself from the Lord, him being your shelter in times of trouble, a perfect hiding place for you. You know, that godly sorrow should be paired with you running to our heavenly father um, should be paired with that seeking shelter in him and who he is. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a great picture of repentance, right? It, yeah. it, godly sorrow will draw us back to God. And whereas worldly sorrow kind of, you know, we just continue on the the path that we're on farther and farther away. 
Um, and yeah, we always have that choice when we when we make a, a mistake or, or when we fall into sin or whatever. We, we always have that choice. Am I going to um, walk in forgiveness or am I going to, you know, let this thing spiral downward? And man, that's this is a powerful uh, example of that. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, but kind of just as as you were sharing, it got me thinking, if you are listening and you didn't see this video, um, one of our elders, Tim Barley, did a video this week um, called Disease and Divinity. And it kind of dives into God's plan for times of hardships. So I really want to encourage you. It's about nine minutes long. It's very informative and very encouraging. Uh, we're going to link it in the show notes. So after the show, you can go watch the video. Um, and maybe through that, um, you can, you know, because maybe you're someone who's listening and you have a hard time with that that topic or that idea of, of God allowing hard things to happen. Many of us have struggled with that too. If you're in that boat and that fits the bill for you, then I just want to encourage you to watch that video afterwards, Disease and Divinity. Sounds like a party. <laughs> You know, you know, one one thing that I just noticed too in um, in verse thirty-two, he says of Simon of of Peter, he says, uh, "I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail." And here, here Jesus is nearing his own uh, suffering and death, and he is stopping to tell Peter that he is actively praying for him, and um, I. It it made me think of uh, Hebrews where he says that, you know, we, we have a priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. So this is an ongoing thing that Jesus does even now for us, that he constantly is praying, interceding for us. And it's it's his pattern, and it's what he does. And here he is in his, in his what we might say is his worst moment. And so, yeah, it just gives me confidence that right now uh, he's seated on the throne and uh, whatever we're going through, he is continuing to, to lift us up in the same way that he did that for Peter. That's good. It's amazing how much you see of just Christ's heart and his character in this chapter. Because, mm. you know, even because uh. he, I mean, he prayed for Peter knowing that he was going to bail on him, knowing that Peter was going to bail on him. And he, he washed Judas's feet knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And it, to me, man, there's just so many points of, of throughout this chapter where it's like, man, that is the Jesus I worship. And that is someone that I can have, like we talked about earlier about certainty. I can have certainty about who he is. And there's, there's a, there's a, there's so much evidence and reason and fuel for us to worship him and to say he is worthy and to have our just our our wonder and awe raised as we read this chapter. I mean, don't don't you guys agree? Just mm-hmm. I mean, there there is and, and and there's probably even more things that weren't that weren't written down that he was doing and saying and uh, just what an amazing savior. How many Amen. how many how many times do you guys think you've read this passage in your life? Well, how many Easter's have I been alive? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah. like yeah. you know, I won't give away my age, but it's it's a lot. It's 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 a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and uh, let's see here, Dan, you grew up going to church, right? Yeah, I did too. Sean, did you? You didn't grow up going to church. 
Uh, halfway, yes. Uh, halfway, okay. Part of the time. Every other Sunday. Every, every other week. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what do they call it? Uh, a CEO, Christmas, <laughs> Easter only. Yeah, that's you. All right. So, anyway, I, I was just thinking, you know, we're, we're, beho- we're trying to behold. We're looking at this passage and seeing who Jesus is and, and letting that shape how we are, how we think and how we live. And, and yet here's this passage that, you know, it's kind of, we just read it, we could just read it through, and yet here we are, all of us commenting on these um, insights, just amazing things, things that maybe we've never thought of before. What do you think, um, you know, just as, as, we're, as, you know, maybe folks at home are, are reading through the, these passages over the, over the Easter time, what are some things that um, help you to see new things in, in the, the, the same familiar verses? Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, something that I like to do sometimes is just challenge myself to think about a scripture through a different light. You know, like a lot of times I'll encounter a verse um, like Luke 22 is a great example, which I've, like Dan, read a million times. Um, but maybe I haven't necessarily in the past read it with my current, you know, life context in mind. Or maybe I haven't really read it through and deeply thought about the historical context of this um, or the situational context. Like kind of, Dan, what you were just saying, like actually thinking about this as you're reading it and picturing Jesus in a room with these men, knowing what he's about to be going through um, and really putting yourself in that room. It just gives me a different insight into what God's telling us through these pages than without doing that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and off of that, one thing that really dynamically changes the way we approach scripture is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so through prayer and really with a with a heart of devotion and 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 a listening spirit, you know, we invite the we invite um the illuminator, mm. you know, the helper, the the one who makes this stuff real to us. We invite him into the room. And I know th- there's a lot of, you know, great Bible church folks out there who, we, you know, we, we can really fall into the trap of just making Scripture an academic pursuit. And I think especially when we read a narrative like this, because there is a lot of historical elements to it. And one of the things that we—one of the things that makes the Word living and active is— how the Holy Spirit engages with us and testifies, you know, from, from within us and, and pulls things out, you know, that are, um, are new. And, and, and that's why we can say that the, that the Word of God is living and active. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, through prayer, we just invite the Holy Spirit in and, you know, you can, you can continue to read this, you know, uh, Easter after Easter and even more than that, and and still receive life and truth from it in a, in a dynamic way. Oh, that's so good. And I, man, I, like God's presence and the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, I love, as you're saying that, Dan, I was just thinking, it's not even just knowledge that we're blessed with, but we're blessed with joy. We're blessed with richness. It makes me think about um, a verse in Psalm 16, and it says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And there's two things in that. One, God promises he's going to make known to us the path of life. Like you were just saying, if we turn to him and pray 
for the Holy Spirit's help, he will make known to us what we need to know. But also in that, man, the Holy Spirit will fill us with joy. Um, and there's a richness in that, that, that doing that is, is worthy for that alone. Even if you don't get an answer for the, what you're looking for right now, like just that experience of spending time with the Holy Spirit, um, there, there's work being done in that alone, if that makes sense. It's food. It's food for the soul. It's spiritual yeah. nourishment. And we have to go in with that mindset or, or yeah, it just becomes about, you know, just an academic, you know, endeavor. Yes. It, it, what I'm struck with is that there's uh, a person to know that uh, it's not a list of moral ideals in this, in this uh, chapter. It's describing a real person, and he is the most amazing, uh, kind, compassionate, self-serving, or self-giving, excuse me, self-giving person. And he's contrasted with these other people, his friend who betrays him, his other friend who denies knowing him in order to uh, avoid being uh, punished or suffering, and, and the rulers, his own religious rulers of his own people who reject him and hand him over uh, to to be killed and yet he is on display and um, that's it's yeah it's so it's so beautiful and it it uh, if you if you're just reading this passage and you're looking to get through the story without seeing the person the story's about uh, it's it's a uh, you missed the whole point yeah you missed the whole point man yeah, well said that's so good and I think it really kind of reflects and speaks to why we're even doing this podcast. You know, back to what we said in the beginning, our goal isn't to just know scripture. Our goal isn't to just talk about how each other are doing in our lives. Really, we want to be working towards beholding the person of Jesus and who he is and the beauty that he has displayed through these things. Yep. Hey, subtle, subtle, subtle plug here. Uh, so just this kind of made me think of something we're doing on Wednesday, uh, Gospel-Centered Parenting, Round 3. And one of the things we focused on is putting the gospel at the center of your parenting, why would that be effective? Why not some tips or tricks or practical steps, which we do talk about some of that stuff, but uh, if, uh, if you can be transformed in how you see reality by looking at the face of Christ and by taking deeply the love of God that's told in this huge story of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, if that can be what informs you as parents, then... Uh, we can uh, we can uh, we can give our children not just a, a series of do's and don'ts or or a uh, even practical tips to live well in the world and be successful. We can share with them uh, a life transformed by the life of God, and that's I mean when we're talking about beholding, that's the point of beholding. It's that we are transformed. Nate, can 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 parents still jump in on that? I know you said that. that yeah, you guys no, have... that's that's fine. We're gonna we're gonna do a Zoom meeting. So if you go to vbc.online/classes, uh, you can click the link there at the right on the day and time, which is seven seven p.m. this Wednesday to join. And you don't have to have attended the previous two. Nope. You can or three, I guess. No, nope. you can just jump right in. Okay, yeah, fantastic. We'd, we'd love to have you. <sighs> okay, um, you know, as we were just talking about, just the person of Jesus and. You know, thinking about that that situational context of what was actually happening in Luke 22, I was kind of struck by just Jesus's intention in praying with his disciples, you know, with full knowledge of 
what was about to happen to him, the horrific things that were about to happen to him with full knowing that these were his last moments on earth um, until he would rise again. He still saw it as important enough to stop and spend time in prayer with his disciples. And Dan, I know you have some thoughts on this, so I'll let you take it. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, we see this just amazing little phrase here in verse 39. Um, you know, he's they're going up to the Mount of Olives and um, to, to pray. And, and there's just this little phrase, as was his custom. And so we can see from, from that and, and from other accounts in the Gospels that, that Jesus was a man of prayer. And it was not something that he did every once in a while. It was not something that he did if he had time, you know, he, he carved out time. He made time to seek the father in prayer, to, um, to go there and, and make it a priority to go there. And in that section there of Luke 22, um, Jesus invites the disciples to, to join with him in prayer. And it says, um, in verse 40, when they got to the place, he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he, Jesus withdraws and he goes and has that intense moment of prayer with the father um, where he asks, you know, we've already talked about the cup could be passed. And then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And then he comes back to his disciples and he finds them like the sleep monster got them. They're, they're totally out. Um, and he, um, he <laughs> rebukes them really. And, and in one of the other gospel accounts in, in Matthew, um, in 26, he says, he, he says to Peter, could you not wait with me one hour? You know, could you not, um, stay alert and, and watch in prayer with me just for one hour? And that has been something that, um, I've been on a little journey with ever since the, the, really the end of last year, just, um, God's just been calling me to, to, carve out that space in my day each day, um, you know, a to have um, an hour in prayer with him, studying his word, um, giving him thanks, uh, praising him, um, waiting on him, listening for him. And man, I just think that during this, this shelter in place order, it's, it's maybe the best time ever to develop that that discipline, that habit as the people of God. And what is God going to do? How is he going to use that in our lives? You know, when we, when we carve out that, that space, there's, there's this book I've been, I've been going through by Dick Eastman and it's called, um, the hour that changed the world. And it's just been totally rocking me in my prayer life. Like just, um, God's just been, he's really used it to, to call me to a deeper place. And man, if, if, um, and there's a million different resources out there to help you think about your prayer life in a different way, in a more biblical way, in a more effective way. And, um, I just know that their prayer is, is it, it's the starting point. It's the, it's the center of everything we do. Um, it's, it's the way that we connect to, Jesus as our source of life. And, um, we can always grow in that and we can always go deeper in that. And so that's something that 
um, I just want to encourage people to to check out and to to really drill down into and to answer this this invitation that that Jesus gave his disciples to um, to to watch and pray with him in the garden. Uh, that that's an invitation that's extended to to us as well. Thanks. That was great. Yeah, Dan, thank you. That's so great. And anybody listening, we're going to link that book in the show notes. So be sure you check that out um, after the podcast. So one thing that we want to start incorporating with the Behold podcast um, is just hearing from you guys out there, you listeners or you beholders. or Yeah, we got to come up with a clever name. I, I, like, I like beholders. I think we, should, we got, we got our, our little beholders out there, fellow beholders. I don't know. Nate, what do you think? Hmm. I'm up I'm up for people passing stuff through. Maybe we make it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Send us send us what do you, what do you guys want to be called? Send send us in your ideas. Let let us know. Let us know what we should refer to you as. Because listeners um, is just so boring. I feel like we could do better. <laughs> we could be more creative. This is the time, this shelter in place where creativity is just flowing. Do you guys feel it? There's so much opportunity for creative thought. It is. I've been I've been so impressed with everybody out there YouTubing and whatnot. Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> so all that to say, whatever we're going to call you, people, we want to uh, just create opportunities to uh, hear from you and also reply to questions you have. So um, what we're going to start doing, if you go to vbc.online slash behold, there's a button right there that you can hit to email us and send us questions in or send us recordings in. So um, we actually already have one this week from a listener. So I'm going to play it really quick and then we will discuss. Hey guys, this is Heather. I have a question for you regarding the sermon from Sunday. Charlie, you mentioned in the message that Jesus was preparing his disciples to face opposition from the world. And in the gospel of Luke, we see that he prays for Peter's faith to not fail. So I'm assuming that this applies to us as disciples of Jesus today. And I'm wondering what might this look like and how are we called to respond to such opposition as believers? Thank you. I look forward to hearing your guys' answer. That Heather girl, she sounds sharp. It's Heather. Familiar, familiar voice. Um, okay, man, that question is very fitting. You know, this series is called Myth versus Reality, and there's definitely some people that will receive what we're saying as just that. They will consider it a myth, whereas we know, and historically, we can say that it's actually reality. So, with that in mind, like, what are some thoughts that kind of jump out to you guys? Mm. I, you know, the first thing I thought about was. You know, earlier we were talking about the reality of the, the his, not only is it historical, but there's a, a real human uh, truth about how how this is uh, this book is written. And I was thinking that um, uh, Jesus, throughout his whole ministry, constantly shares the fact that different people are going to respond differently. So maybe the first thing I would say is we need to have a uh, maybe not realistic, but a, a biblical. Um, way of thinking about opposition that it's one it's it's guaranteed it's going to happen um there's no forcing people into relationship and so um you know the, the the at the very end of this chapter we have people who ask jesus point blank if you're the christ tell us and then he responds if i tell you you will not believe so they ask him a question and he says i i, I would tell you 
but you're not going to believe it. And that was back then when he was walking around performing miracles. So here we are today, and, you know, there are still going to be people who choose not to uh, trust who he is. And so that's, I think that's kind of job one, just expect that. And um, and then, you know, uh, Peter, here here here's a guy who uh, denied Jesus and, uh, you know, has his deep grief. He's the later restored, and he writes a book. And in in First uh, Peter, chapter three, he says that you you're always to be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. So when people ask you, you could explain the different quality of your life in terms of who Jesus is and what he's done. So I think it's I think it's the second thing is our lives are on display just as much as our words are on display, and they have to kind of go together. Yeah. Earlier, Nate, we were talking about, you know, when people ask us how we're holding up during this time, man, it's so easy for us to just kind of give a a generic, you know, religious answer like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying or I'm, uh, you know, it's my faith that that keeps me going or, um, you know, I've got a great, I've got a great church around me that I'm staying connected with. And, and those things are they're, they're, they are true, but are we spending time thinking about how to answer those people in in a way that will help them behold the glory of God in the face of Christ? You know, are we putting a are we putting a gospel like point on those statements? And that is a way for us to prepare for the opposition. You know, another thing off of what you said, Nate, is like just having that perspective and that understanding of the reality that there's going to, there's always going to be mixed reviews. We talked about this on the podcast last week that there's always going to be people who are um, hostile towards the message or who are skeptical towards the message. And I love what Jesus says. He has some great stuff to say in, in John 15 and 16, just he, he, he tells his disciples, Hey, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Okay, they hated me first, right? <laughs> but then he says, "But don't worry, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, right? I'm 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 sending you um I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to he's he is that's how I'm going to abide in you and be with you forever in an intimate way is through is through the the influence and work of the Holy Spirit in your life." And then he says at the end of all of that, um, right before he he gives this amazing prayer for them, he says this amazing statement in John sixteen thirty three. He says, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world." And so, that is something that we need to let fill our horizon. That's something that we really, as we're thinking about the opposition that we could come against during this Easter season, when we're, when we start telling people, Hey, our, our God is not dead. He, he died, but, but he came back to life. Okay. That's a really hard thing for people to wrap their brains around, especially in our, in our modern naturalistic secular world that we live in people, people, they they scoff at that. So for us to understand and to have the confidence that Jesus has overcome the world and that he has, um, he's not left us as orphans in that gives us great heart. I mean, it gives us great hope and, 
it helps us endure that opposition. Oh man, so good. And um, yeah, I appreciate what you said last week, Dan, about spending time during this season to be preparing ourselves for that opposition. You know, we have a responsibility to not be sitting idle, but God's given us a lot, a lot of ways to pre- prepare for those moments. And um, I love that you mentioned Peter because you know he's such a great example of for us of someone who went from denier to then champion for Christ, you know? And in First Peter, like we mentioned earlier, in First Peter 2, you know, that entrusting ourselves to God, um, you know, Peter writes, can you hear my cat right now? Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> hang on, hang on she, a second, hang on a second. Can we, uh, can we officially have Olive be our podcast mascot? <laughs> okay, anyways. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Peter, Nathan, <laughs> who was went from denier to champion for Christ. And in first Peter two, like we mentioned earlier, just that chunk from like verse 21 to 24, 25 about the example that Jesus set. I think it really gives clarity for what we're talking about. You know, it says that when Jesus suffered and was threatened, he didn't threaten in return. He didn't revile them, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. And I think the thing about that, that we need to keep in mind is that that is a is a primary way that we can combat hostility to our faith is by boldly and confidently, like you're saying, Dan, entrust ourselves to God um, in whatever that looks like in that situation. But I think an important piece that we sometimes forget about is that we're not just um, excitedly entrusting ourselves to God or not just boldly, but we're doing it confidently and that's rooted in facts and reality. And so if we're not, as followers of Christ, spending time investigating to know what that reality is, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I trust God. He judges justly. But how do you know that? How can you say that he judges justly if you haven't spent time in his word and knowing who he is and, and why that's true? So I, I encourage you listeners out there, now's a great time. You have Most of us have plenty of time right now to be spending time studying kind of the two sides of that coin. One the historical reality of God's faithfulness over thousands of years. This is proven true in scripture. And then also, like Nate mentioned, the personal reality of Jesus and who he is. And I promise you, because God promises us, that after doing that, you will become better equipped to answer someone who has oppositions to what you claim to be reality. Yeah, and and, and a couple of resources that, I mean, are just so good and, and easy to get to. Um Last year we had we had an apologist, Jay Warner Wallace, come out and he he did a conference for us called Forensic Faith. And he's he's on on Instagram, just Jay Warner Wallace, and he does these you know Instagram TVs or these quick quick hit videos that are just constantly giving us ways to logically rationally make a case for um, for for Christianity and a case for why why these these beliefs that we have are rooted in in facts and evidence and um another uh, great resource is stand stand to reason and you can you can just search both of these things on on Google and just pull them up but this, man we should we should be especially during this Easter season where a lot of people are going to be having questions and a lot of people are open to have conversations about this kind of stuff we we yeah, we just got to load up and equip ourselves with these um, you know, these, the things that are out there for us. Amen. Um, 
Well, we, we're going to wrap it up for this episode of Behold, but I just want to encourage all of you listeners out there, you know, this week we answered questions um, or answered a question on the podcast, but for this next week, we really want to hear from you. So, you know, in this podcast that we're calling Behold, through the things we discuss, we want to be doing that, Beholding Jesus, but also it's an awesome opportunity for us to really trumpet what's going on in our community. So let's hear from you. Go ahead and send us an email or take a voice memo and send it to us. How are you in your family, in your situation, in your um, life at the moment, beholding Jesus or working to be- behold Jesus? And can we, Sean, can we also ask them to just help us get the word out about the pod and just share with with people um, in the in our community, people, your friends, your neighbors, um, it really will help us, uh, you know, get, get, the, get the word out about... Um, the Behold podcast. Yeah, and with that, don't forget, we still need to know what the title will be for you listeners. So if you're going to give us an email or anything, let us know. What should we say? Beholders? Listeners? They who hear us? <laughs> something <laughs> something better than those, please. I don't know. Get creative. Well, thank you, everybody. If you tuned in last week, thank you for listening again. If this is your first week, we hope that this has been an encouragement to you and a blessing to you. And most importantly, like we said before, um, that this has helped you to better behold the beauty of Jesus in your life. Um, Any last words of wisdom, you two? Uh, Man, I got nothing. I'm spent. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thanks for the great conversation, you guys. Yeah, I love you guys. It's been great, and uh, we're we're praying for you, Valley Bible Church. Uh, we we we're just spending a lot of time thinking and praying for you guys, and and uh, missing you like crazy. And can't wait to be face to face again when this uh, when this whole thing's over. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.